latest from Scotston. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors' official podcast. We are back. Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly. I'm your host, Glasgow Warriors media manager, Duncan Seller. And today I'm joined by Glasgow Warriors outgoing managing director, a man who in his tenure has overseen over 260 Glasgow Warriors games, including three league finals, a Pro 12 championship, and has also played a part in bringing through over 120 Warriors. Glasgow Warriors managing director, Nathan Bombrace. Nathan, how are you? Good morning, Duncan. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me today. We're glad to have you on. So Nathan, this, in this season of Warriors Weekly, we've asked everybody the, the same question. When you're a player, when you come into this environment for the first time, you stand up in front of the team, you talk about your family, your rugby history, and your hidden talent. So, Nathan, what is your hidden talent? Um, do you want a talent? Does it have to be a talent that I still have, or, or could it, it be something from the past? It can be something from the past. Um, I, have an, I have a sporting accolade. It's more a mathematical anomaly, actually, than, a, than anything athletic. I, uh, in a high school baseball match, I think it was a regional match, um, I completed an unassisted triple play, which is, um, it is literally a statistical anomaly. anomaly. So I got all three outs on the same play myself. I was um, playing second base and they had runners on first and second and they put on a hit and run play, which means the runners run no matter what and the batter swings and he hit a line drive just past second base and I reached up and caught it. And ran and touched the uh, touched the bag at second base and got the runner from second out, and then the runner from first had arrived at the base and slid in, and I tagged him with my glove, and uh, I got all, all three outs, and and the rest of my teammates stood there in, in in shock, unsure, is that the inning over? Is that do we do we play? And I threw the ball to the mound because that's what you do, and jogged off, and um, grateful to the umpire because about two minutes later he realized that. He'd probably never see that again and picked up the ball and handed it to my coach and said, you might want to give it to that young man because uh, I don't think any of us will ever see that again. But uh, probably just just luck and good fortune and, and maybe knowing what to do rather than anything athletic I did. But yeah. So what you're saying is you should have been a pro baseballer. No, no, I, I no, I, I'm, I'm not saying that. No, <laughs> I was I was decent, but, um, you know, I, I wasn't uh, I just I just really enjoyed my baseball back then. Yeah. So on the 1st of April, you move into your new role uh, with Scottish Rugby as head of international commercial projects. And before you go, we have to have, we've had, we had to have you on here at Warriors Weekly to talk about your last 10 years as Glasgow Warriors MD. There's been so much that ha- that's happened over those 10 years, whether that's, you know, three league finals, as I said, winning a Pro 12 championship, the move from Firhill to Scotston um, and various other things along the way. So I'd like to talk to you about your time, but let's start at the beginning in December 2011 when you joined us. You're coming in, having spent 10 years at sale as their commercial uh, and marketing director and having just finished off a year as head of commercial at Scottish Rugby. What do you remember about your first day at the club and then your first game as well? I think my um, uh, when I was with Scottish Rugby, for that I, I went to a lot of games. In fact, I went to, I think, all the Edinburgh and Glasgow games that year. And um, I remember going to Fur Hill and thinking the experience. And at the time, you know, it was... It was unique because you had the, the opposite stand had no one in it. The stand to the side had no one in it. Everyone was in one stand. Uh, to the left, there was just this mound of, um, and you could kind of see, you could see the cityscape, you know, kind of behind. And, and there, were, there weren't that many people there, but I remember that they made a lot of noise. The people that were there made a lot of noise and they were really passionate. And I remember sitting there going, this is a, this is a good night at the rugby. You know, it's, um, 
like to have more people in it, but it's it's a good night at the rugby. And I remember saying that the MD at the time, uh, Kenny Bailey, uh, asked me, so what do you think? And I said, it's a really good night at the rugby. You've got some real passionate fans. And so I think my my first game when I was um, in charge, we played Bath in the um, Champions Cup, Heineken, then the Heineken Cup. And um, Bruce Craig had just bought Bath and uh, Richie Gray scored a freak try. Of, I don't know, I think a kick it goal to maybe get the draw, possibly. Clanged off the post and Richie Gray run down and, and caught it and trundled over the line and scored the winner. And um, I remember seeing Bruce Craig, the billionaire owner of Bath, almost in tears, <laughs> and having a chat with him after the game, just, um, you know, in a very kind of, you know, no business losing this game, losing to this team up in Glasgow. And I, I remembered that. So um, that was uh, that was a good a good first day. And, and you kind of you hinted at it there. Obviously, we were at Firhill at that point, and that was our last season at Firhill. I think it was when you joined. So, what are your memories of Firhill? Obviously, you talked about that game there, but what what was it like back in back in those days? <laughs> uh, we got, um, you know, we we sold out Firhill for the eighteen seventy two Cup game against Edinburgh. Actually, later that year, we 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 really drove and um, managed to get a good crowd and filled all all the all three stands, and that was a really good experience. Um, but I remember the game, the game was not so good. It was not a great game of rugby as, you know, derbies are really tense and intense, um, but not always great games. So I remember that. Um, I just remember um, going to the hospitality uh, suite and um, people come, they had Partick Thistle wine that they would serve. <laughs> and uh, so one of our staff, uh, one of the catering staff, I think found, a sponsor or two had snuck in some some of their own wine and uh they wanted me to do something about it so i remember speaking to the sponsor at the time and he went just try this <laughs> you want to tell me off for bringing my wine just try this stuff <laughs> and uh i, I might have given him he might have got a pass from that um but yeah it was it was uh it was a good night at the rugby it was it was a lot of fun uh i remember the tradition we still have the player a man of the match would come in fully dressed after the game into the, into the hospitality suite and speak. And I'd never seen that before uh, in rugby. And I thought that was, that was great. And I just remember the, the crowd, even if it was just one side, um, they would make so much noise and be so passionate. And, and uh, we wound up getting the playoffs that year. Uh, I think we had to beat Kana on the final day in the sunshine on, on a Saturday afternoon. And, and we managed it, got a good win over Kana. And then we went away to, to Dublin to play to, to try to beat Leinster in the semi-final. So it won, ended up being a, being a pretty good season. Yeah, so not a bad way to start your, your career as a managing director then. A pretty good first season. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's um, It was a long, a run of, that I think began a run of six or seven years in a row when we made playoffs or, or year, well, the, the one year we didn't make the playoffs, we made the quarterfinals of Europe. So um, we've had a pretty good run and some really good teams over that time. Yeah, and and what are your memories from those first few seasons when we moved to Scotland, leading up to that 2015 Pro 12 final against Munster at the Kingspan? Yeah, I remember uh, Scotland. You know, it, it was a big change for a lot of people, and a lot of people were were worried about it. I remember when I first went to Scotland. Again, I was still at Scottish Rugby at the time, and um, we're still you know working for Scottish Rugby at Glasgow, and I pulled in and thought, this is excellent. You know, this training center is as good as anything I'd seen in England at that time. It was, it was a really good training venue. And, and I asked Kenny, I said, where's the, 
how come, you know, why aren't we playing here? And he said, well, you know, just shook his head. And then I, I later found out from, from Dominic Mackay that, you know, that was, um, that was, a, you know, something we were working on, a work in progress to get the team there. So we did that. Um, we got into Scots and I remember Mark Palmer, um, who was our media guy, who was your equivalent uh, at that time, uh, set me up to do a, a, an interview on BBC Alba and kind of walk around Scotston and try to explain the vision that we had for the, um, for the match day. So I remember doing that. Um, and that was, a, that was a lot of fun and, and started, I think started to get some people, started, people started to get one over once we explained how it was going to come together, how we thought it would come together. Um, and then the first game we got, I don't know, four, four and a half thousand people and the trains going by in the background and um, a number of folks thought, yeah, this is, this is really good. Except George North scored some tries and we lost to, to the Scarlets the first game. But um, yeah, it was, you could see it starting to come together then that um, Scottson would be, uh, you know, potentially had a lot of potential. I'm not, I'm not sure we all thought it would become the fortress that it actually has become, but um you know, we, we've won a lot of big games there, but it's been really good for us. Yeah. And what were those seasons like under Gregor as a managing director? Obviously, we got to the, there was a final in, in 2014 against Leinster away at the RDS that we lost. And then the next year, obviously, won it. Yeah. Gregor was great. Um, I think a Scottish guy. He'd been, he'd traveled the world playing playing rugby, learned coaching. It was his first head coaching um, role, but he kind of, he understood that in Scottish rugby, you need to do, you know, you needed to do a bit more. So, I mean, Gregor put everything into it. He really did. And probably not many people, not everyone saw that, you know, how much he put in um, away from, away from coaching. Um, he put in loads and he was, he was great. I remember his first, his first day, he talked about, you know, to the players, he said, your job is to win games and grow the club. Both, you know, so that really set the scene for some of the stuff we wanted to do off the field, which was, and he really endorsed it. And he would even, you know, we would have uh, players going out into the clubs, into the community. And we were trying to change that relationship with the community clubs. And we would send, you know, we would do like a warriors Wednesday and send the entire squad out. And then the next day he'd start his meeting with, what do you guys think of that? You know, he put up, maybe put up a couple of tweets that, some of the clubs had put out and asked the players to, to talk about their experiences being out at the clubs. And that was a real, a real endorsement of the importance of that sort of, that sort of work. And that was, that was a big part of, you know, what, what Gregor was about and, and what the team was about. Um, the handshakes as well. That was the other thing that you'd come into work every day and only COVID really stopped. We kept us going through a number of coaches, but uh Fortunately, not able to do it just now, but whenever you see someone the first time in the day, you, you look them in the eye and shake their hand and say hello, uh, good morning or good day or whatever, whatever it happened to be. So, um, you know, and, and you're supposed to be a little bit offended if someone shook your hand twice uh, and forgot they greeted you already. So that was good because that would break down a barrier. You might have had a, a heated debate with someone the previous day or something and, you know, you couldn't, but you couldn't break that rule. You had to say good morning to them and that kind of, uh, cooled the ice sometimes, um, both amongst staff and players and and others. That was a really nice, um, nice bit of teamship that we we brought in. Yeah. And what was the environment like around that point? Obviously, there's some some big names, some club legends around, especially during that time. You know, obviously Al Kelk, who's coming in mm -hmm. to succeed you as managing director. The people like DTH, 
uh, Nico Matuwalu, uh, Chris Fazaro. There are so many iconic names that are, you know, you know, yeah, heaps of club history around that time. Some great names. I think, you know, Al was, Al was great. He was clearly the captain and, and you know, and the leader of the club uh, on the field and the players. Um, but there were also some players that were, you know, really trying to break through and, and make their names. And, um, you know, DTH had, had come on and was leading, leading the league, certainly one of the top try scores the club had ever had. And he had a, a couple, he had a period of maybe a little bit of frustration that he wasn't getting the, getting the recognition maybe he deserved. So uh, we were able to get through that with him and he went on to, to score some of our big tries. Um, signing Nico was an interesting one. Uh, we watched that game down in Fiji when Scotland first went to the first tier one nation ever, maybe to play in Fiji or certainly in a long time. And it was like in sepia tone. And, you know, it wasn't, wasn't quite black and white. It wasn't quite color watching that game back in Scotland. And, you, you know, Nico had a couple of really exciting breaks and, and it was bad. It was raining that game too. And anyway, Gregor and I were speaking the next day and he said, look, that, that Fijian 9, did you see the game? And I said, yeah, he was, he was pretty exciting. I said, I think I'd like to, I think I'd like to sign him. Um, and I go, <laughs> Kana, I'm thinking Kana and the wind and rain and Kana and here's this Fijian scrum half. I'm thinking, are you sure? And we talked about it. Anyway, we got hold of, um, we got hold of Nico's agent and had a good conversation and, uh, Gregor had a conversation with him and, and we brought him over uh, and he wound up living with, uh, with one of our, our commercial our commercial manager and his family for a period. And um, so Nico, but I remember just, you know, he came and in about three months, the coaches and the, the fitness, the SNC staff were raving about his, just how much muscle and, and, and he put on and how much stronger he was. And the coaches were going, this guy is like, He'd be the, not only a great player, he could be the best player we've ever had. I mean, it was just, it was just a revelation, you know, that we, we've got this guy who is just athletically so gifted and, and such a, you know, such a, um, such a great rugby player. And you've even, you've seen some moments of magic from him over the years, you know? So even at the weekend, he, he came on and did what he does. He took that quick tap deep in our own half and it, it led to an end and try at the end. It was at the end of the first half. It was, and uh, you're like, yeah, he still can, still can do those kinds of moments of magic. They're brilliant to watch. Oh yeah, he's he's such an incredible game breaker, isn't he? Like he's mm. just incredible. Mm. And then uh, after Gregor, Dave Rennie comes in ahead of the 2017-2018 season. And am I right in thinking when he came in, there was a longer long-term goal already set to get the final to get to the final at Celtic Park in 2019 and to try and win it, or was that set um, once he'd arrived? I didn't, that really didn't um, coincide with Dave. I think we'd, after the year after we, we won it, we set out to try to bring the final to Scotland. And we looked at, um, we looked at Glasgow, trying to bring it to Glasgow, but we, we just thought this would be, because it was the, fir- the Belfast final at Ulster was the first time that the league had gone for a single central venue final, right? Destination venue final. And so we worked with uh, Don McKay and, and, and Claire Harkness and I uh, hatched up a plan to try to get it to uh, Murrayfield. We thought that would be easier and get a big crowd. And the ulterior motive was clearly to get a final that we could play in. So that, uh, and obviously we, we, we lost that 
difficult semifinal where it was Xander and Finn uh, clashed heads early in the game and, and uh, away at Connick. And they went on to win, you know, win that final at BT Murrayfield, which was, which was great in that we got the final and it was a good event, but a little bit, a lot heartbreaking, I should say. Um, so the next year, the league came out and asked for tenders for the 2018 final. They asked the clubs in the cities and the unions if they'd tender, and we went probably a bit too soon. Um, and we spoke to the city council, and they said, look, we've got plans in 2018. And so we just said, well, we'll just do 2019 then. And I spoke with um, – we had some chats with Celtic and they were up for it. Um, we looked at Ibrox as well, but the, there's some pitch, um, the pitch configuration there would, would need some work and it was, it was quite expensive. Uh, and in the end, Celtic were just, were just great. They, they, we'd had a number of conversations with them over the years about taking games there. So it was, it was a pretty well-trodden path in terms of, you know, we knew them, they knew us and, you know, the venue was great. So we put in a bid and got it. And then, yeah, that, that year it became a, you know, became a plan to try to, to try to get there and, and win it. And the vision was, I remember in my head visualizing, you know, that chant, we are warriors that the supporters uh, do at Celtic Park and having be, you know, full and, and having the team play and having that chant. And the first couple of minutes of that, of that day, it was, it came true. Just the end didn't quite work out, but uh, a lot of that was, uh, was a pretty special, special day. Yeah. And then what was Dave like as a coach and what was what are your memories of his tenure as head coach? Um, I was trying to think which of the coaches I worked with is the funniest. And um, I don't know, probably probably Dave uh, would be the funniest, but he had, he had a real dry sense of humor. Um, and yet, yeah, it could be really quiet, so you had to kind of get him. But, um, you know, the coaches, Dave was a real coach's coach and he was really tight with his coaches and they absolutely loved working with him. And working together and um and and they would get really really into you know into the rugby into the detail about rugby um and he was also a real players coach you know and he wanted to be close and build relationships with his players um and he was he was great he did that and the players really wanted to play for him play hard for him i think he was um you know once you got in his team you know you you, you were in his team and if you weren't in his team, you, you were desperate to want to be in his team. But, um, you know, he was he was really good. He also wasn't wasn't flustered by a whole lot either. You know, he things that would happen out, out of his control or off the pitch. And and generally speaking, he wouldn't get too flustered by them. He would just, well, we got to deal with it. We're going to have to move on. And um, in that respect, he was, you know, he had a great approach, great approach to things like that, too. Yeah. And then in this whistle stop tour of the last 10 seasons, Danny Wilson comes in and obviously COVID hits as well. So what is, what is, I guess, what has been working with Danny like? And then also what has it been like being managing director during a, during a global pandemic? Um, uh, in all honesty, not, not, it's, 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 you're not doing the stuff that you want to be doing. You know, you want to be at the games and, um, you know, generating money for the club and interacting with the crowds and, you know, having a good time with the fans. So, um, during this global pandemic, you obviously can't can't do that for obvious reasons. You feel a little bit, I don't know, a little bit. I don't know. I'm not going to say guilty, but um, that you're worried about rugby <laughs> all the time when there's there's more important things in the world uh, just now. There, you know. But um, you know, and, and to to the supporters that might be listening, you know, it's you know, we hope we hope you're all you know keeping safe and keeping well and uh, and and hanging in there as much as possible. 
um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for everyone. So that, but it's, it does hit home when you do interact with people and they say, I just want to go to rugby. I just want to go to the games. And you realize that uh, people, you know, people do value what you do. People do enjoy what you do. Um, they enjoy the club and they enjoy the experience of um, the club means a lot to them. So that, that's, that's really, you know, that's one thing that kind of keeps you, keeps you going. Danny has been great. He's had to, he's had to really um, start his, his job under really, really difficult circumstances, you know, not being able to, you know, just, just see his players in person at the start of his, his head coaching tenure. He's not been able to do some of the kind of basic team building things that, that you would do. I mean, even, even, even in the modern game, the players and coaches and staff can still, you know, go for a beer, or, you know, have a, have a meal together uh, pre-COVID. And that was a big part. Those kinds of activities were a big part of building a team. And he had some plans for the preseason to kind of uh, do a couple different things and, and bring his, his group together. And he did, just didn't get to do those things. So they've done well, all the coaches, not just, not just Danny, they've all had to endure that and they've done well. They've kept a smile, you know, smile on their face. Johnny Bell's song the other day, he's still smiling. Kenny Murray's still you know, plugging away, shouting during the games. You can, you, I don't, I'm not sure uh, when there's no crowd, I'm not sure I can hear Kenny any differently. I can still hear him when the place is full. I still hear him shouting at the players so, <laughs> during the match. Um, no, but they, they, they've been great. Um, you know, you can see, you're starting to see when, when Danny can, you know, when we can feel the relatively consistent team, you know, you can start to see what Danny wants us to do and, I think we're going to benefit from that. From that, I just think he needs a, a little bit more time and a little bit more, you know, uh, opportunity to work more consistently with with a group of players. Mm-hmm. And then now, looking back at your time overall at the Warriors, what would you say was the club's greatest win? Well, like we'll say the final at but that almost doesn't count. You know, you win a final and. Um, you're just the easy option. It's the easy option, right? But the way we won that final, where it was just comprehensively beat Munster, was um, very satisfying. And I remember a couple of the folks that I was sitting with kind of going, "We're not used to this. Can we celebrate?" I said, "We're going to win this game. You know, we're, we're we were up, well up. We're going to win this game." The I think other wins that really stand out that the year before the semi finally. Finally won the semifinal to get to the final. We beat Munster um, at Scottston and finally kind of got that monkey off the back. There was just huge elation and joy um, and just pure emotion from a lot of people. It felt like a long road. And we finally, you know, finally got finally got somewhere. So that was pretty, that was pretty special. Um, getting that victory uh, to go to the final. The Beating Leinster away in 2019 over in Dublin was the first time I'd experienced a victory over in Dublin, um, which is <laughs> once in 10 years. And we drew them, I think, two or three times in Europe. So, you know, that just shows how good they are. We've been a good, I mean, we've been a good team. We've had some really good teams. And, uh, but you just don't win there. We've drawn once and, and beaten them once. So that was, that was a great day. That was a really good win. Um, beating, um, couple of the big French wins. I think going to Racing and beating them pretty comprehensively over there was a, was a pretty special day. And we beat, you know, La Rochelle 
<laughs> for not for many reasons, going to La Rochelle and just seeing us, you know, finally put it together uh, last season and get a win uh, over there. Uh, even though we we looked we looked out of it, you know, we looked we looked like we were going to drift away, um, and to come back and win that was 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 pretty special. So some some great wins, uh, Leicester. 40, 43 nil. That was good. That was a really good day. <laughs> Having yeah. spent, I spent 10 years in English rugby. And uh, I'll tell you a secret about English rugby. Nobody likes Leicester apart from Leicester <laughs> in England. So, you know, um, yeah, just to go there and, and that that's a really great club and a proud club. And to go there and just, just do what we did to them was, was pretty good. That was pretty, pretty rewarding. And I'm sure there's been some tough losses as well. Any any bitter defeats stand out to you? Any ones that just got away from you? I think the um, I think the semi-final against Scarlet at Scottsdale, Dave's first season. We had such a we were a good team. We had such a dominant season. And I think the three-week gap between the last game and the semi-final with the new format, and we said, you know. Is it good to get the three weeks or is it not good? And we kind of went, well, if you win, it's good, right? You're happy if you lose. And and I just we 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 started out like we, you know, like we'd had a long break and and couldn't quite, you know, we started to come back into the game, but we, you know, we we weren't there. And um that was a tough one. Again, we we were good enough to win the league that year. And you know, credit to Scarlets, they they had an excellent team that year and won won the competition. Um Obviously, the the Celtic Park final was 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 just the fairy tale didn't end the correct way in my view. But you know, credit to Leinster, they they did the job, and uh, that's why they're a great club, great team. Um, would be another one, I think. Um, those two, I guess, those two would, would would primarily stand out, I suppose. Yeah. Um, the first the first European quarterfinal, we were down at Saracens. In the sunshine and a nice, beautiful spring day. I think everyone from from Glasgow. It was like it was like we hadn't seen sun. <laughs> we come down from, and it was bright and warm and a, just a gorgeous day. And we just didn't. I think I was speaking to a couple of the players afterwards, and they described we just didn't fire a shot. And um, you know what they meant? Like it just. We were good. We were we were good enough to do do more in that game than than maybe we did. And a few described it as we just didn't fire a shot. But then I remember the supporters just didn't care. I mean, we had like 6,000 and they just, you know, they jumped on that pitch at Saracens because they let you on um, they replace it more, more often. But, and I think there were 40 on 40 rugby, the length, the width of the pitch, you know, playing the width of the pitch, uh, 40 in kilts were obviously the, the Warriors and, and then the other 40 with the Saracens. And uh, I'm sure we won that. So that was a good day. And then on a bit more of a positive note, what would you say makes Warriors so special? I think it's, um, I think the, um, the connection, the connection that the supporters have with the, with the players or the connection that um, the players have with the supporters, the, the, the family environment that it is to work in, the family environment, you know, between the staff, just, you know, simple things like, you know, going to lunch together um, when we used to go to lunch and, you know, in the stadium and, and simple things like the players just, just having that close knit 
uh, relationship with the supporters. I remember I went away to see Munster um, our last season at For Hill, my first year. I went away to watch us play Munster at Cork. At, um, at the, and they put, we played the game in Cork. And I remember the Munster players, kind of they, they had a changing room in one corner. And after the game, um, some kids would gather. And the Irish teams, particularly, particularly Munster, once the Irish teams, Munster are really good at letting kids run on the pitch after the game, right? They're quite famous for that. And um, so I remember the kids ran on the pitch and then afterwards they're in this corner and the Munster players went in the changing rooms and then all of them came out and hung out with the kids and signed autographs and stuff. And I remember thinking, well, that's one of the best clubs in Europe. If they can do it, we can do it. And so we, we, we brought that into, when we came to Scottsdale, we made that part of the plan that the players would, um, would come out after the game and interact with the supporters and sign autographs and stuff. And it's so pleasing to see that um, in that, you know, last season when we had crowds, it still happens. And actually, if you walk along and it's not something that's forced either, it's, 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 you know, pretty, pretty easily happens. The players, you walk along and I, I, I always go into the clubhouse after a game, a win or a loss, and you walk along and walk behind the players and they're, they're enjoying it. You know, they're, they're using it to interact with some of their family and friends um, who've been at the game, but then they're walking along taking selfies and signing autographs. But what you also notice is a lot of them become friends with the supporters. So you can see, you know, people have gotten to know each other and those, those kind of connections have, have developed in a very, uh, they're very personal, you know, they're very human. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's, that's something that makes the club uh, really, really special. And you've touched on the fans there, so let's talk about them. You know, there's there's some guys in the club this season who've made their debuts and played at Scottsdale and never had the chance to experience the Scottsdale crowd. Just for you, and you talked about Danny, Danny hasn't yet. You know, as a, as a, as the head coach, he's only done it from the opposite end. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you, you talked about obviously Firhill when when you first went down there, and obviously the growth and you know sell it. You know, the, the, you talk about you know packed packed Scottsdale and all this kind of stuff. What are the fans? And they, they really do make the club, aren't they? Just, you know, when you, you have a big, uh, big European games that we've had and the flags are waving and the, the Champions Cup music's playing and, the, and, you know, the place is packed and everyone's cheering and you, you just you just stand there and you have a number of people will come up to me in that moment and say, I can't believe this. We, we, only, we only saw this on TV, you know, here, here in Glasgow. And... Um, just the noise that they make and the passion, you know, and, and uh, it's, it's really unique in rugby. I'd say there's not a crowd that, um, you know, makes that sort of noise during the game. And you've got the East stand who, you know, stand up and make songs about Ali Price and all sorts of stuff. And, and um, they have a lot of fun and kind of, you know, that's not done very much in rugby and it's done in, a, I think it's done in a rugby way. I know we've got a lot of folks that, Perhaps football was their first sport and they come in, but they've they've kind of learned to to bring a bit of that Glasgow passion, sporting passion, but do it in a in a rugby way, which is which is great. I ran into some referees, or occasionally you run into the referees in, in various airports and you tell them you have a Glasgow and quite often they comment about um, the North Stand and not and just dreading running touch on the North Stand at Scotland. I, I have a few referees that tell stories. Um, in fact, uh, Dave Pearson tells a story how he had a, um, 
he was he and another ref were the assistant referees for a big European game at Scotston. And the, the young ref was on his debut. And so I said, listen, it's a, it's a really cold day. Um, I'll give you the choice. You can stand out and run on that side in front of the north stand in the sunshine. And I'll, I'll stay here in front of the main stand and, and run in the shade. Is that okay? Oh, brilliant. Thanks, Dave. You know, the young, anyway, at halftime, they went inside the changing room for their, for their cup of tea or their warm up and their debrief. And, uh, the young ref, he said, was was begging him to swap sides. <laughs> he said, "Those fans are crazy behind me. They're not. Please swap sides with me." <laughs> so, you know, I, I think they're just they're 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 a great bunch, and um, and you know, I've gotten to know some of them, particularly, uh, you know, again, going in the clubhouse after the game, win or lose, we go do that. We send a player, we send a coach in to do that, and. Um, the supporters will tell you what they think, you know, and they'll, they'll have a chat with you. And they're always, they're always kind and, and gracious. They might be upset if we've lost and let you know why they're upset. Um, but they always just, they just know that the club is, they know that you're doing everything you can to make the club successful. And they, they appreciate that. And, um, and then the big European trips, you know, you've got some trips. It's, you know, it, it amazes me how much, what people, what length some of the supporters will go to to travel uh, and get behind the team and how much it means to them. So whether it's Europe and you hear the stories of planes, trains, and automobiles um, that they go through to support the teams in Europe, but, but also when you, when you jump on a plane and, and uh, on a early Saturday morning for a run of the mill trip down to Wales or something, and um, I'll, I'll tell you a secret. I've, I, I live in Edinburgh and, and have, that's, that's Anastasia's choice. I choose to live with her, but uh, she, uh, we, um, so a lot of the away trips, sometimes I'd, I'd go uh, from Edinburgh, go separately from the team from Edinburgh and you'd, you'd get on the plane and on a Saturday morning and look around and you'd see, you'd see the logo in a few places and you'd, you'd kind of, you know, if people recognize you, you'd wave and stuff like that. And um, so quite often you'd wind up where, how are you getting into town and, you know, jump in with me and all that kind of stuff. And, and get to know folks and that was that was get to know their stories and why they're why they're supporting and that was really enjoyable time too yeah and then without fans there wouldn't be players you've worked with over 150 warriors and had a hand in bringing through i think over 120 we worked out uh warriors in your time here so so what's that relationship like between an md and a pro player and are there any standout stories you've got from your time like look that they 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 the players want to play and and the main person um the main figure in their life is the coach, right? He's the person that, that picks them and doesn't pick them. Um, I've always seen my role there is to just help the coach, um, help the coach and, and facilitate um, his squad and, and help him get the most from his, the most from his budget. Um, in terms of the players, I think players often, you know, there'll be some players that will, when it comes to their, their personal situations, I've had players that will knock on the door and come in the office or ask to see you and, and I remember one player said, I get it, right? You're supposed to screw me for as much as I can. And uh, I get it, but listen, I, I, I've got a problem. And I never saw it as that. I, I don't see it as that. I see it as, look, we have, we have a wallet, which is only so big. My job is to keep you and the, your 40-some-odd teammates as happy as possible. It's not about necessarily getting the best deal. It's about keeping, keeping everyone reasonably happy. And, and um you know, we've not all we we've managed to do that a lot, but not always. And um, um, and and you know, what I find 
interesting as if there's there's players that have left the club and two three years later I bump into them, um, even ones that maybe didn't maybe it wasn't their choice to leave the club, um, and I think in every instance they've they've we've had some of them have bought me coffees and some of them have at least you know we've had we've had nice conversations and and in many instances keep in touch so I think that speaks a lot and um, about the club and. The other thing that says a lot about the club is the number of players that have left and come back or a number of players that maybe have left and wanted to come back. And I think that's, um, that's a real compliment to the club when you've seen Nico and DTHs and even Leones who, uh, and others who have left Jamie Batty next year have left the club and come back. I think that's, that's a real nice compliment to the club. Yeah. And then finally, you've got the players, you've got the fans, and then there's the staff, the back room, the front office staff, You've worked with a lot of people over the years. You've given people their opportunity to work in what a lot of people would probably describe as a dream job in a dream sector in sports. When you look back at where some of those people that you've worked with have ended up, it must fill you with a great sense of pride. Yeah, I, you know, really, that's one of the best bits is you see, you're bringing through a lot of, in the business side, a lot of younger people um, and to see them develop in their careers and you know, develop within the organization and, and um you know, uh, quite a few of them are, are still with us and, and, and doing great work and really, you know, really leading uh, in what they do and are doing some, some really fascinating and great stuff. And that's just, that, that's particularly rewarding. Um, you know, you want, you want all your, all your colleagues and your, the people you work with to be successful. And, and uh, there's a lot of really great people that have, are doing some great stuff. I, I say, I say quite often, or I say regularly, I think we have uh, some of the best in the business working for the club on the business side now. And I, and I reinforce that. I think we've got some, some people who are absolutely outstanding in the world of sport and what they do. And uh, I thought, you know, we wish them all, wish them all the best and all the success. And, you know, uh, occasionally it's really rewarding if someone that used to work for you gets in touch and ask for some help or ask for some, um, you know, ask you to, you know, ask for a favor or ask you to help them out. That's, I find that really rewarding. So um, I hope I hope I'm given the opportunity to do that again in the future for some of the some, some of the folks here. Yeah, have you got any stories, any any crazy occurrences that have happened with the back office or front office staff? Anything you've had to deal with? I think um, you know. I think the um, you know now that John Manson's gone, it's all kind of calmed down a little bit. But um, no, I think Duncan. The um, I think we've you know we've had a lot of fun. There's been a lot of um, a lot of great. Great ideas, a lot of great, great moments, a lot of great, you know, great achievements. I'm, I'm proud of things like the end of the season uh, dinner that we, the club never did and that we've, we've managed to, to put together. And, you know, you saw that becoming a regular, I mean, a sellout event, sellout quite, quite straightforwardly at the, uh, the last couple of seasons. And, and, you know, that was always a great night and a great chance to celebrate uh, together and celebrate the club and, um, you know, things like that, the way we've you know, come on and, and you know, really developed our, our channel and our footprint in terms of, you know, our podcast and our, our Warriors HQ and, and, you know, from, from nothing, you know, had a, you know, developed our own almost, you know, television channel, um, you know, some really good innovation, the stuff that's happening in the stadium and the future of the stadium, um, I think is, is, is really, really exciting and, you know, um, that'll be a great opportunity for, for Stephanie and Al and, and the team to, to get stuck into that and, and bring some of that about. So that, that's really excited about the future of the club and, 
and where everyone's going to take it. And then finally, on the club as a whole, there's one one element that I think a managing director has to do a lot of the time, which is sponsorship and partners. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of partners that have been with us a long time, partners that you know the, that you brought on in your first few years that are still here with us now. What's that relationship been like, and how much do they actually really make a difference in the running of the club? We don't win championships without support, and um, you know we said that said that early on. That was that was my op- opening pitch, I think, to to a number of them. And you know they 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 want to see a successful club in their city. Um, they want to come and support Glasgow Warriors and, and have it be a, a successful club. And, and there's nothing like the buzz on a Friday night, actually win or lose, uh, in the club deck. You know, on a Friday night, it's a place to. It's definitely you know the place to be. And after after a game, after you know a good game, and people are buzzing and enjoying their Friday night out, you, you can you can step back and reflect and go, man, people. People really enjoy what we do. You know, we're doing something that people are really enjoying. And the sponsors have been great and it's been good. I think we had maybe six sponsors when um, when I started out and we've got over know, 160, uh, you know, sponsors and business club members and partners. And it's a really nice, vibrant um, sponsorship family that makes a huge difference. We couldn't, we couldn't do so many of the things we, we do or have done um, without their support and just the fact that they've stuck by us and I think every one of them have extended um, their commitment to the club through the pandemic and beyond is just it's just immense it's just it's just a real big compliment to to those sponsors and their commitment to the club and their commitment to the city yeah I've got one final question for you Nathan mm-hmm. so as a managing director we've kind of talked about there you, you deal with players you deal with sponsors you deal with staff in, in a high-performance sporting environment, you deal with a lot of driven and successful individuals. What is one piece of advice or learning that you've been given from someone that stuck with you in your time as Warriors Managing Director? Just uh, for me, I just, I just saw it as, you know, trying to facilitate, you know, everyone. So I just saw my role as it's not about, it's not about me. It's about, it's about everyone else. You know, it's about the, the players, you know, it's about the players and coaches. How can we support them? How can we um, put the resources around them to be successful? That's really how, in a sporting environment, you're going to be judged. Um, how do we try to put the resources around the around the staff and uh, and do that? And you know, we've that's what I've kind of tried to do uh, every day, and 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 just you know, to support the organization, support the people, support the players, support the rugby. Support the sponsors, you know, support the fans. You know, they want the fans want to see a successful team. That's why they come. But they want to have a good time as well. And part of it, sometimes the journey is uh, is more fun than the outcome. So how can we make the journey enjoyable for them? Yeah. And when you log off for the first time as in your role as managing director, and the next day you'll be logging in as your, your head of international commercial projects role, what will be the overriding feeling, do you think, about when you look back on your time at Warriors? I think just, I think I'm, I'm kind of looking back on, that was fun. That was a, you know, great experience. Made some, made some, you know, really good friends and just, uh, you know, just, yeah. I'll look back, I'll look back and think what a great time I had, you know, how much fun that was and made some lifelong friends and um, saw a team go from humble beginnings to, uh, you know, being one of the top clubs in Europe and, 
I want to see Al and you guys. I want to see you guys and, and Al and Danny and the players take it on even further now, you know, go win a, go win a European championship, go win a, go win back to back, go, go 14, 16 titles, you know, kick on. I, I, I want to see the club be really, really successful. And I, I have no doubt that I'm sure that when we get to those finals, you'll be in the stand cheering us on. Um, so, Nathan, for myself, and I'm sure from everyone here at Warriors, where that's the players, I know Ryan Wilson stood up and gave you a little speech a few weeks ago when you when it was announced that Al was taking over from you, uh, from the staff, players, fans, etc. I'd just like to thank you very much for being our managing director for the last 10 years, and uh, good luck in your next role. Thanks, Nathan. Really appreciate it. All the best to you. Cheers, Nathan. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast. Ooh.